Welcome to the Faith Church Podcast, where every week we post sermons from our lead pastor, Rick Shule, and guest preachers, as well as other content from church members and staff. We hope you hear something that resonates with your soul this week. Today we're starting a sermon series called Proof That God Exists. Kind of. Um, kind of. I say kind of because we have proof that God exists. Thinkers that are much smarter than you and me for thousands, hundreds of years have come up with these proofs for God's existence. They've done it. Case closed. It's over, right? We win. Yay! But wait a sec. That doesn't quite work because there are still a lot of people that don't believe. So even though we have these like proofs for God's existence, they're not altogether convincing. And so over the next several weeks, we're going to kind of ask the question, Why? Why do these proofs exist? And if they exist, how do they not convince people of the faith? And if they don't convince people of the faith, then really what good are these arguments for God's existence? I'm excited. If you, if you thought today that you were coming to learn the proofs for God's existence so that you can win all of your internet fights, I am sorry for you. It's not going to work. If you're thinking, oh, I needed to know these proofs, so that I can trump my friends and family and tell them why they must be Christians, that's not going to be what happens either. Instead, we're going to take a look at what these proofs mean for us and how they can kind of enrich our lives and what they mean for Christians. Um, Ludwig Wittgenstein, one of my favorite philosophers, I got a degree in philosophy, I got to use it sometimes, and you you get to receive it. I'm sorry, people. Um, but Ludwig Wittgenstein, he was a philosopher in the early 20th century. Um, when he went forward to give his dissertation, he produced a very small dissertation called the Tractatus. And when he went to go defend it in front of his dissertation board, he said to all of them, look, I know that you don't understand what I just wrote, but you understand it well enough to know that it's really good. And they're like, okay, you pass. So that's a great way of passing your dissertation. He, uh, he only practiced philosophy for like 15 or 20 years or taught philosophy. And then he, when he felt like he said everything he could say, he hung it all up and went and taught kindergarten. That's a good guy. I like that guy. He said of the proofs for God's existence, this quote that was just up there a second ago, those who formulate such proofs would never have come to believe as a result of such proofs. Okay, so we have proofs for God's existence, but they don't actually create faith. That's interesting. So then we might want to ask ourselves, what is faith then? Maybe we should start with what faith is not. Faith is not uh, a impassioned ignorance. That's not what faith is. We are not passionate about something that's unprovable. We are not passionate about something that we believe and we are going to ignore the rest of the sciences. Faith is not impassioned ignorance. I don't know if you knew this, but Christians early on, right when we landed on the moon, some Christians denied the moon landing. Not like people deny the moon landing today, but right when it happened, people were denying the moon landing. You want to know why? Christians said we could not have landed on the moon because if we landed on the moon, the astronauts would have seen God's feet. Because the Psalms say that the moon is the footstool of God. They didn't see God's feet. 
didn't land on the moon. I think that that might be some impassioned ignorance, actually, going there. That's not what faith is about. Our faith doesn't come across evidence that maybe new evidence that we haven't heard of before and say, no, I'm not going to pay attention to that. That's not our faith. Faith is open to new discoveries and observations. Faith wants to hear from the sciences. Faith wants to hear from education. And faith wants to add, how is God using that? Faith is not impassioned ignorance. Faith loves learning more about God's creation. John Wesley, or Charles Wesley, John Wesley's brother, founders of Methodism, Charles Wesley was a hymn writer. In one of his hymns, he writes, join the... Um, Unite the pair so long disjoined, knowledge and vital piety. Mm, that's in our heritage. The best of faith has nothing in contradiction with the best of education. Faith is not a blind adherence to a set of affirmations, rejecting all other discoveries. That's not what faith is. Faith is not just a system of beliefs. It's related to beliefs, but it's not identical to beliefs. As Christians, we believe in a certain set of things, obviously. There are things we believe about God, things we believe about the world, things we believe about Jesus. But that set of beliefs is not all there is to faith. How do I know this? Because we change our beliefs from time to time. We grow. I don't believe the same things that I believed as a six-year-old. I hope that neither you, neither do you. Because when I was six, I needed to receive information in a certain way, and God was happy to supply it. Now that I'm older, I expect God to give me information on a different level. I expect my thoughts, my beliefs to change, and yet my faith continues to grow. We do have beliefs. There are things that we believe, but that's not all that faith is. I think faith is an inner trust and an orientation to a person or a thing that guides or orders our lives. Faith is something inside of us that draws our attention to something outside of us. The prophetess Jane Fonda <laughs> of protest fame, of 80s workout tapes fame, she had a very big shift, a big conversion to Christianity, and it, she was an outspoken Christian. And in 2007, she had, a, um, she had an interview in Rolling Stone magazine where they asked her, what was this about? Why did this come about? How did you change your faith? What, what was this conversion about? And she said, I just had a reverence humming inside of me. There was a reverence humming inside of me. There was something in me that needed to praise, something inside me that needed to be in awe of something bigger than me. Stephen Colbert, the host of The Late Night Show, he said in an interview with Neil deGrasse Tyson, who questioned him about his faith, and, and uh, Tyson really pushed him and said, why do you ignore evidence? And, uh, and Colbert said, I don't ignore evidence, but my faith emerges out of a deep need to be grateful. 
that in my existence, I feel gratitude. And I need to direct that gratitude to something that is outside of me. That's the kernel of faith. That's the thing that starts in all of us. That's the thing that we are called to nurture and grow and pay attention to. This inner gift that God supplies for us in the Wesleyan tradition, we call this provenient grace, that God, the Holy Spirit, has supplied in every person a desire to connect with God, a desire to love, a desire to do good, a desire to connect with something other than just ourselves. That is a little kernel of faith, a little light inside of us, something that's sparking that we're called to tend and grow. I'm going to talk about uh, tomato plants, and I just need to let you know that I know nothing about planting tomatoes before I jump into this. But I think I've seen a few things. I think that faith is a little bit like a tomato plant. I've seen tomato plants, but I've also seen that tomato plants need some structure around them. Tomato plants need cages around them, and I think our faith is a little bit like that tomato plant. If it gets a little bit of help, it can grow higher, it can grow stronger, it can grow bigger, it can bear bigger fruit, it can last longer. And I think about the tomatoes needing the tomato cage, needing a little bit of structure so that it can climb up, so that it can grow and flower and produce. And I think that our faith is a little bit like those tomato plants, that they need some help lest they lay on the ground and they can't grow, they can't build up. And God has supplied us with tomato cages, the rituals of the church, the community, the songs that we sing, and even the philosophical arguments. These are the tomato cages to our faith. They help put a little bit of scaffolding around our beliefs, about, around our urges. And with the structures, with the rituals, the prayers, the songs, communion, philosophical arguments, our faith can get a little bit off the ground, can grow, get closer to the sun. Now, I think that those are good things. I, I think tomato cages are good, but I have never ever seen a tomato cage produce a tomato, right? That's not what they're there for. We don't buy tomato cages or lattices in order for them to grow tomatoes. That would be ridiculous. The same thing goes with the tomato cages of our faith, the structures that we build, right? Philosophical arguments are not going to produce faith. That's not what they're designed to do. You're not going to take any of these arguments and win an argument online or convince your neighbor of the faith. All you're going to do is create somebody that wants to argue against you. Right? These philosophical arguments are there to give, provide structure for those of us that have this feeling, this little bit of urge, this light, this deep inside of us that calls out to another deep. As the psalmist says, as the deer longs for the water, so my soul longs for you. There's a longing that's directed outward. As deep cries out to deep, I call out to you. I have a reverence humming inside me. I have a need to be grateful. 
how do I nurture that light? How do I nurture that need? How do I nurture that faith? How do I nurture this little tomato plant? It needs structure. But structure doesn't create tomatoes. I think about Paul in the story that Heather just read. Paul has this inert need to serve God, but the structures around his faith kind of choked his faith a little bit until he saw everybody who disagreed with him as an enemy. Until he started living his life and building his life around destroying the lives of people who just think and believe differently than him. Mm. It all became about the arguments for Paul. And then God showed up. Jesus, in a blinding light, shows up to Paul, knocks him down to the ground, and Paul doesn't ask the questions about, um, like, does God exist? <laughs> Paul doesn't say, what is, what's going on here? But Paul calls whatever this experience is, whoever it is that shows up in the light, Paul automatically calls him Lord. He says, Lord, who are you? I believe but I don't quite understand. And he needs a friend to help him out. God calls Ananias. Paul says, Paul is blind, that one, and Ananias is like, you mean that guy that's going around killing Christians? God's like, that's the one, you know him, cool. He needs your help. I've started a new tomato plant in him, and he needs some structure around it, and you're the guy to provide it. Paul, Ananias is blown away says, okay, I'm on board. But it's not Ananias or the structure that produces a faith in Paul. It's God that does that. As we go into these arguments for God's existence, we'll talk about Anselm of Canterbury. Anselm was writing in the 11th century. He's the one that gives us the first theological proof for God's existence that we'll talk about next week. But before he dives into it, he starts by saying, God, I'm not trying to pierce the heights of intellect. I'm not trying to capture all of you in thought. I'm not trying to convince myself to believe. God, I already believe. My faith seeks understanding. I already believe, but my faith seeks to understand more. You see, all knowledge begins with faith. All education begins with trust. All wisdom growing begins with a relationship. Think of the people that you first learned anything from. You built a relationship with them before you learned anything. You learned to trust them before you learned any wisdom. You learned to have faith before any knowledge grew. This is what Anselm is saying to us. That everything begins with faith. Everything begins with a connection and a desire to connect with God. And out of that desire, we can grow in understanding of God. We're not trying to convince people of the faith. But if you have this little spark, this little hope, this little desire to connect with something that's outside of you, then the church says we have some tools to prop that up to care for it so that it might grow and bear fruit. That's what all of this is. Music, church, speaking, community. 
and even philosophical arguments, it's the scaffolding that holds up our faith and builds it a little bit stronger so that it can grow and bear some fruit. A couple of questions for you at the end of this message as we think about this. Um, the first one is beliefs can change while faith grows. And so what are some of the beliefs that have changed for you? What are some of the things that you used to think about God or the world or the church that you say, you know, I don't believe in those things anymore. Um, I've grown. Name those things so that you can kind of understand the distinction between faith, this inner trust and orientation towards God, and a set of beliefs. Secondly, what are the support structures for your faith? What are the tomato cages that hold up your faith? Are you tending to those? Um, somebody in the first service told me that sometimes tomato cages, you need to change the size of those tomato uh, cages from time to time. We've got some tomato growers in here. I don't know about this. But apparently not all tomato cages are the same. <laughs> and not all tomato plants are the same. And sometimes you have to change out the structure a little bit. What are the structures? What are the things that hold up your little tomato plant of faith? And then finally, when have you felt the reverence humming inside of you? When have you felt those moments where God has moved in you? For me, even yesterday, when we all got out there and we built 70 walls for two Habitat for Humanity homes, and as we were struggling because this header was an eighth of an inch off and we got to get somebody to shave this down, I could just pause and I could just hear the hammers going. And at first you can hear each individual hammer, but after a moment, all the hammers kind of just make one tone and you just hear this one note. And there's a little bit of reverence <coughs> in me humming in that moment. Man, there are some times when we feel this reverence humming in us. Pay attention to that. Prop it up. Give it the structures that it needs. And over the next several weeks, as we talk about the philosophical arguments for God's existence, know that they're there in service to hold up your faith and to help us grow in understanding. That they're not there to beat our neighbors over the head with or try to convince people of the faith. And there may come times when God says to you, hey, this person over here has something burning in them and they need a friend to come alongside them to give them a little bit of structure to their faith to help give them to interpret their experiences a little bit and to welcome them into a deeper faith thank you for listening to the faith church podcast if you would like to find out more about faith united methodist church in issaquah washington visit our website at www.faithunited.org or call the church office at 425-392-0123. Have a great week.